Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to Sunday sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship. We would love to hear how God has blessed your life. Reach out to us through social media or email us at scfellowshipchurch at gmail.com. It doesn't matter why healing works. The point is it works. It doesn't matter why prayer works. The point is it works. It doesn't matter why Jesus told us to do this or that. The point is simply to do it. All we have to do is follow the example of Jesus. Jesus didn't just tell us how much he cared. He showed us. He showed us. He opened blind eyes. He caused the mute to speak, restored hearing to the deaf. He fed the hungry, healed the sick, shared the gospel, cast out demons. He set the oppressed free. He did these things. He didn't just talk about them. He did them. He showed us. You know, reaching out to our community and trying to impact our culture for Jesus can get difficult at times, especially if we're unsure of ourselves. But the truth is, God made it simple to reach out to others. All we have to do is have childlike faith and be an imitator of God. The things Jesus did, he said we would be able to do also. And in today's message, we'll take a look at what it means to be an imitator of God and how we can use this strategy to be effective witnesses to our communities. Today I want to talk to you about being an imitator of God, and I want to explain my slide picture to you. Uh, My dad and I, growing up, would always swim, and when we would swim, my dad would dive deep in the water, and I wanted to be just like him and with him, and so I dove right with him. And so a lot of times we'd be going under the water together. So many times my mom uh, said that it reminded her of Shamu and Baby Shamu. Now, I don't know if that was a fat joke at the time. I don't think so. I was a chubby kid. But I think it was more just the sweetness. That's what I'm going to choose to believe. But so as you see this here, I think of uh, my earthly father a lot of times when I'm thinking of my heavenly father. And as I shared yesterday at the men's breakfast, just briefly, I was very blessed, in my opinion, I'm very blessed to have that relationship where I can see Father God through my own dad. And so when I tell you that, that this was a memory for me, it kind of helps me understand how we should be tied together with Jesus. And in Ephesians 5... Verses 1 and 2, it says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. That word imitate, you know, that means to follow a pattern, a model, or some kind of example, to mimic. Kids love to mimic, right? We love to imitate people, Uh, you know, to be or appear like, to produce a copy of. You know, God wanted us to be such a copy of him that that's how he created us. When I think about imitating our father, I think about growing up and going to work with my dad. Every once in a while, he would take me to work with him, and I felt like a big shot. It was awesome. So my dad dressed up nice, so I dressed up nice. I had my little uh, khakis, and I think I had a polo shirt. I might even have had a, a dress shirt. I don't remember, but you know, had dress shoes. And so I got dressed up nice because that's what you did. That's what my dad did. So I imitated him. We get to work. He says, hey, to the, to the receptionist. So I say, hey, to the receptionist. He gets a cup of coffee. I get a cup of coffee. I, I don't think I'd ever had a cup of coffee in my life. And when I got done with the milk and sugar, I'm not sure you could still call it coffee. But I got coffee like dad got coffee. He started reading the paper. So I opened the paper and it was just fantastic. I didn't even know what I was doing. I just was being with my dad and I wanted to be like my dad. You know, that translated later on. I came home from a church service one time, and I, I remember the preacher just, uh, just being very inspiring. And so I had a Sunday suit. I had a, I had a, 
I guess it was a three-piece suit. It had a nice jacket and tie, and I couldn't have been more than 10 years old, I think, sitting in my room, and I wanted to be like that preacher. So I got my suit, put my suit on, got my Bible, and I lined up all my stuffed animals and action figures, and I preached the, the, the first sermon of my life, and, you know, I think it was the best sermon ever. I can't tell you what I said. And, and I told Daddy, I'm not sure anybody got saved. He said, I bet He-Man did. He-Man probably got saved that day. But I imitated what I saw. I didn't even know exactly what I was doing. I just imitated what had inspired me. And then I fast-forwarded to my belief system. And I remembered that up until I was a young adult, I would tell people what I believed. And I believed it because that's what I was told. I was told by a very trustworthy sources, my parents. And if they believed that, I believed that. And later on, people would challenge me on some of those. And I found that I couldn't quite used the reasoning of because my daddy said so. They didn't quite accept that as well as I did at a young age. And so I did have to dig in deeper. And I've been reading and praying and learning scriptures all along. But as I dug deeper, I realized, you know, my parents were right, praise God. But now I had the, I had the heart knowledge to go along with the head knowledge. I had the scriptures in me to go along with it. So when I was talking to people, I could now take what I had learned as a kid and imitated my parents on, and then I could give them the scriptures as well. But it started because I imitated my parents. The other part of that is I believed it simply because they told me that was the truth. That's, that's what childlike faith is. It doesn't matter why healing works. The point is it works. It doesn't matter why prayer works. The point is it works. It doesn't matter why Jesus told us to do this or that. The point is simply to do it. We spend so much time trying to explain the scriptures. And I feel like God has got me saying this over and over and over again for a reason. And I always preface it, and I'm going to preface it again today. There is nothing wrong with you digging in deeper to the scriptures. I'm not coming out against people that want to dig in deeper in the scriptures. You can find a lot of cool things about it. But what happens, in my opinion, is a lot of times we scare ourselves off from even reading the scriptures because we think we'll never understand it and we don't have the tools to dig deeper into it. And I'm here to tell you that that is ridiculous. All you need to do is start reading the scriptures and God will speak to you through them. If you don't have any other resource, you don't have to have an almanac. You don't have to have a dictionary. You don't have to have the fanciest Bible resource tool around. All you have to do is have faith like a child. You see, remember, Abraham, Moses, Isaac, Jacob, Jesus, they didn't have the Bible like we have today. They were too busy making the Bible. They didn't need to consult all of the scriptures and everything. They did have writings, and they did refer to them. But the ultimate goal, and Jesus broke it down for us, he said it's this simple. All you got to do is love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. Abraham knew God well enough without the Bible as we know it to understand and know who God was. It wasn't complicated then. It's not complicated now. And in fact, I'll go so far as to say that sometimes we dig so deep, we scare ourselves out of faith. We start looking so deep, we just, we don't just trust what God said. It's like we got to get, we got to prove to ourselves why he said it. And if we don't understand it, we just got to shelve it until we do understand it. The truth is we're probably never, ever going to know exactly and everything that Jesus wants us to do. 
That's why, in my opinion, he boiled it down to two simple commands. There's a lot of commandments in the Bible. He boiled it down to two, right? Let me tell you how simple Jesus made it. Look in Genesis 127. We just talked about in Ephesians that we're supposed to be imitators of God. In Genesis, it's, it says, God created man in his own image. If that's not a copy, I don't know what is. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Let me tell it to you a different way. You ready? God created Herman in his own image. In the image of God, he created Herman. Herman and Tammy. He created us. God created you in his image. In his own image. And in the image of God, he created you, you, and me. He created us all. But that's the key. Identity. Knowing who we are. We are a copy of God. We are supposed to be going through life the way Jesus went through life. But we don't truly believe we can live up to the standard of Jesus. We've got him so far up there on the God level, and I get that he is part of the Trinity. But the reason Jesus came down on earth as a man was to show us the way, to be that final sacrifice. But a lot of times we read the works of Jesus and we scare ourselves off and we say, I can't do that, Lord. I can't do that. Even though, and somebody quoted it this morning, I don't remember who it was, greater works than these shall you do. Who said that? Jesus said that. Jesus said that. So if, if Jesus is saying that, why don't we believe that? Many of you are out there, you're, you're doing the same thing I've been doing. You read the scriptures, so you quote the scriptures, and in your head, you really do believe what it says. You trust what it says, but it's not gotten into our heart. We've got to build that faith up. The way we build that faith is through the word of God, but we also build that testimony up. When I asked you guys to share who had healing, one of the reasons I wanted you to share was to build the faith in others that may not have believed for that healing. You see, I've been praying to be part of healings. I've been praying to God saying, Lord, please let me be a part of healings. Please let me be a part of healings. And then I've had to step out in faith and try. And it hadn't always worked out. That individual hasn't always gotten their healing, but it, it's starting to happen. And I'm starting to get to see some healings. God is faithful to his word. All we have to do is imitate him and trust him to do what he said he would do. You see, to be an imitator of God, we need to know what he did, what he does, and what he will do. So as we look at the life of Jesus, I can think of no better way than, than to look at his life to figure out what we should be doing. Some examples would be in John chapter 9, verse 5. It says, Jesus said, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Many of you just had light bulbs go off in your head because you've heard another scripture, right? That would be in Matthew 5, verses 13 through 16. He told us, he said, you are the salt and the light. You're the salt of the earth. You're the light to the world, right? We are supposed to be imitators of Jesus. Jesus was the light. We're supposed to be the light. I wanted to throw this in here because I think this is one of the other issues we have. We understand we're supposed to be the light of the world. We don't know how to do that. We, we know we're supposed to be the salt of the earth, but we don't always know how to do that. So here, here's something you can, you can think about as you're stepping out in faith and trying to be the light to the world. Salt, when used as seasoning, shouldn't call attention to itself, but rather to the food that it makes savory. 
Such is the case with light too. It's supposed to call attention to that which it illuminates. You see, when we are are illuminating Jesus, he's the one that's going to shine. When we are when we are flavoring our world and our culture, Jesus is the one that's going to shine. When we start getting ourselves in the way, that's when we start missing it. We've got to get out of the way and just trust God to be God. We've got to do what Jesus did, and, and, and we have to be that salt, and we have to be that light. You see, another example would be in John 14, chapter 10. Jesus says, the words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative. But the Father abiding in me does his work. He said, believe in me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Now check this next part out. Otherwise, in other words, if you can't believe me just for that, he said, otherwise believe because of the works themselves. What does he tell us? In John chapter 9, verse 3, this is when the disciples went with Jesus. He healed the blind man that was born blind, and they were asking if it was because of his sin or his parents' sin, and Jesus said, neither. He said it's so that the works of God might be displayed in him. And then over in Matthew 5, 16, going back to the salt and light scriptures, it says, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You see, Jesus told us that the works would speak for God. And he showed us that through his life, and then he asked us to do that as well. If we're imitating our Savior, then we're going to do what he said. We're going to do what he did. So, falling in line with this, keeping it super simple, all we have to do is follow the example of Jesus. Jesus didn't just tell us how much he cared. He showed us. He showed us. He opened blind eyes. He caused the mute to speak, restored hearing to the deaf. He fed the hungry, healed the sick, shared the gospel, cast out demons. He set the oppressed free. He did these things. He didn't just talk about them. He did them. He showed us. So, if we're going to be imitators of God, we have to go and do these things. It says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So let's go through some scriptures here on the different miracles that Jesus did. In John chapter 2, it talks about Jesus changing water into wine. I'm fascinated with how many people know that one. How many people know that one right off the, the top of their head? But there are so many other miracles that he did. <laughs> In John chapter 4, it says, John heals the royal official son without even going to the son. He didn't even have to go to the sun. He just spoke the words and he was healed. The great haul of fish, when he told Simon, he said, throw your net out again. They'd been fishing all day. He said, throw it out again. He did, and they caught a great haul of fish. So much so it convicted Simon. <laughs> he said, you know what? I'm convicted of my sin. I'm a sinful man. Just, just, matter of fact, just leave me, Jesus. You shouldn't even be around me. It convicted him so much. God used that to just bring clarity to Simon Peter. Jesus cast out an unclean spirit in Mark chapter 1. He cured Peter's mother-in-law of a fever. And I love this. This is what I was talking about this morning. It says he took her hand, helped her up, the fever left. Let me read that again. He took her hand, helped her up, the fever left. That's it. I'm beginning to think that all the prayer that I pray for people to get healed is more for me to build my faith up so that it will happen. Jesus' faith was already there. So he didn't need a six-hour prayer-a-thon to get somebody healed. He just took him by the hand, helped him up, fever left. The best part of it, men, you want to really have a great relationship with your mother-in-law, follow the example of Jesus. Because it says after that, after Jesus took her by the hand, helped her up, and the fever left, 
she began to wait on them. She began to wait on them. I'm just telling you, it will, it will help your situation out with your mother-in-law. All you got to do is trust God and heal that fever. He, he healed a leper. He healed the centurion servant who was paralyzed again without actually going to the man. He raised a widow's son from the dead. This is the part about that one that I, that I loved, and, and, and I think we've got to get here too. It said, when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her. He had compassion. A number of times you see that Jesus performed these miracles because he had compassion. He was moved. We've got to have compassion. We've got to be moved for people. When the Lord, uh, sorry, Jesus calmed the storm, he cured two demoniacs. He cured another paralytic. This is another good one because he didn't do it the way the people wanted him to do it, and they were fussing at him. He said, your sins are forgiven. And they said, that's not what you're supposed to say. And who are you to say that, right? He, he, he said, well, what's easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say pick up your mat, you know, and walk, go? He said, I want you to know that I have the authority to forgive sins. And then after that, he says, all right, pick up your mat and go. He said, if that's what you need to hear, that's fine, pick it up and go. The point he was making was, look, you don't need to hear all this stuff. They got mad at him because he was performing miracles on the Sabbath. You think the person that got healed on the Sabbath cared what day it was? We get so caught up in the legal side of things and, and trying to understand exactly how the word works and whether or not we can do this or do that. It's not that complicated. Just do what Jesus did and you'll be, you'll be safe. You don't have to worry about it. All the scriptures will back you up in your work. You pray for a guy, he gets healed. Nobody's going to care what's going on around, especially the person getting healed. We talked about uh, going to see David Hogan. He talked about uh, Domingo, and Domingo uh, died. They prayed for Domingo. The next day, Domingo got up, had breakfast with him. He was raised from the dead. And as David Hogan said, you may not like me, but Domingo likes me. We got to quit worrying about what other people think. Because the people that get set free, delivered, healed, <laughs> all they're thinking about is how you did it. And that's giving you the opportunity to share with them how you did it. You didn't do it. Jesus did it through you. And that's going to start that saving relationship that they so desperately need. Amen? We can't worry about other people. Amen. You can give God glory. We cannot worry about what's going on around us. We get afraid. How do I know that? Because I've been afraid. I've been going through something. I didn't know I had fear on me. I shared with you guys a few weeks ago, we went down to a, a men's fellowship, thought it was a prayer meeting. Don't worry, we turned it into a prayer meeting. It was a chili cook-off. We ate good chili. We got to praying later on, and the guy prayed fear off of me. And I was very respectful and polite. I didn't let him know he missed it, but I wasn't afraid. But I let him pray. A few days later, God revealed to me I was afraid. And one of the best ways I knew I was afraid is I was scared to witness to people. If you're scared to witness to people, you've got fear. It's that simple, right? And the, and the solution to fear is to pray the fear away. Trust God. Draw closer to him. Amen? So he prayed for that fear to leave. Well, I was getting better, but I still, I've told you guys, I don't mind falling out in the spirit, but it better be the spirit. <laughs> and I've had people lay their hands on me, and they have worked very hard to get me down, and it has not worked out. Because in my mind, if I go down, I want to be able to get up and say, that was God, because I tried not to fall and I just couldn't help it. The other problem I have is I'm a big boy. I'm working on that. Praise God. I know a lot of you guys are praying for me and it's working. Keep the prayers up little by little. Like I said, in a year, you're going to see major difference. Okay. It's happening. And I know it's happening. And the scales are showing me it's happening. 
And you guys will get to see that. So keep praying for me. But right now, still, I know I'm a big boy. And so I'm not really convinced that any of y'all can handle me if I fall. <laughs> and that goes through my mind quite a bit. I want what God has for me, but I just, I don't know. I don't trust sometimes that the people behind me can handle me. So... <laughs> I don't need any help with this. <laughs> Amen. I'm, I'm aware they have pictures. That's a whole other story. I want you to know, sometimes you can be nice to people, but they're not nice back to you. It's okay. Just keep loving them. So Sunday night last week, we're, uh, we're uh, I'm getting ministered to, and I'll just tell you, the whole service was good, but it wasn't like some of the ones I've shared with you. To me, there wasn't this tangible drunken guy just moving all over me feeling. And I got a little jealous at first. And I asked God, I said, Lord, I, I really came to get a touch from you. I don't understand what's going on. <laughs> and he just reminded me, as I've said, but forgot that night, don't always chase the feeling. Don't always chase what I call the tangible presence. And that's what I was doing that night. And I said, look, you know, you're right. He said, look around you, what's going on? I got a friend who got to preach that night, and man, he was just blessed. You could tell his spirit was lifted. He was just supercharged because he got that opportunity to preach and to bless others. And I began to see people getting fed and minister to, and then I got happy. I said, man, you're right, Lord, this is great. And we had a great time. So towards the end, uh, I should have known something was up because Bobby came to me and asked if I'd be okay if, if, if Matt prayed for me. What was weird was Bobby was real shy about it. I, I don't... I've never met Shy Bobby. I, I don't know Shy Bobby, so a little concerning. I didn't know what he was setting up. But I, I told him I would go. That would be no problem. So as I'm making my way down front, Rodney had other plans for me, I guess. And so he gets me to come over and pray for somebody. And so it takes me about a half hour to finally get to Matt for him to pray for me. Uh, some really cool stuff happened. I, some very uncomfortable prayer happened. But, um, you, you know, if you want to be challenged, you want God to stretch you, just come with us one Sunday night. We'll definitely uh, stretch you. I was praying for a couple trying to be obedient and, and learn, and right in the middle of praying, somebody just fell out in the spirit right in between us. I didn't quite know how to handle that. I, I just stepped to the side and kept praying. I didn't, I didn't really know what else to do. I never had that before, you know. So I get done praying, and, and uh, God asked me to give the guy a word that was just, it was kind of a tough word, and, and so I, I did the best I could with it. I just wasn't real brave, but I did, I did share with him. I finally get done with it, and so now Matt's available. I go over there for my prayer, and Matt's a good dude, but it wasn't nothing happening. I mean, it was, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Well, evidently he realized that too. And then he stopped, just stopped and started pacing. And then God's downloading in him and he comes back over and he just says, I just pray calmness over your mind. Well, you got to know that, that God has really been showing me that I've been, my, my thoughts have been racing lately. But the thing that's been confusing is it's not due to stress. It's not due to, to depression. It's not due to anything negative. I've been so excited about what God is doing in my life. My mind is racing a million miles an hour. I'm thinking about all the things that are going on, and it has been a little hard to calm that down. And just to be honest, I haven't even tried to calm it down. Sometimes we need to calm our minds so we can listen to God, right? So, man, as soon as he starts praying calmness, that right knee buckles. Oh, Lord. <laughs> now, I'm trying not to go down. And Matt senses it, and Matt's a good friend, and he knows that I struggle with that. I just, like I said, and so uh, he just leans over to me, and he says, listen, we got three able-bodied men. I didn't know he lied to me that part. There were three men. I don't know if they were all able-bodied, though, but there were three men back there. And he said, we got three able-bodied men. He said, just let God do what God wants to do. 
I said, all right, well, you tell her to get ready because I know it ain't going to be long. <laughs> I'm not sure what he prayed next. He laid his hand on me, and that was it. I fell out. That was done, you know. But God's having to break that fear. And guess what? It's only been broken recently because I've only recently fully submitted to him. You can be what we call a good Christian. You can read your Bible. You can go to prayer meetings. You can go to church, and God's okay with that. He loves that, and he'll bless you for it. But if you really want to tap into some of the stuff that you're hearing and, and people are saying they're feeling and you want to tap into these miracles and you want to tap into what God is doing on a deeper level, then it's going to take that full surrender. It's going to take that full commitment. And that's going to also take you embracing the fact that you may be doing some things that are keeping God from moving in your life, like being afraid of falling out in the spirit, being afraid to share the gospel. But the only way to break that is to submit to him and ask him to do that. To read this word and get filled up and, and faith to rise. Let me, let me read you some, of these, some more of these because I really want you to leave here with some, some more faith. If Jesus did it, see, see, if Jesus did it, we can do it. I hear the amen right there. But I think that a lot of us say that, not you, brother, but we don't always believe it. Because we put Jesus in this category that's up here that's godlike, and we think he had some kind of special chip, some kind of special anything to help him while he was here, and we don't have that. You know what he had? He had the Father. He told us that. He had the Father inside of him, and guess what we have? We have the Father inside of us, and Jesus told us we could do the same things. So when I'm reading you these miracles, these are not things that only Jesus could do. These are things that you and I can do if we'll allow God to work through us. He calmed the storm. He cured two demoniacs, cured the paralytic, raised a ruler's daughter. And again, he said in this case, he declared she was only sleeping. And guess what he did? Took her by the hand and she got up. Cured a woman of an issue of blood. Loosed the tongue of a man who could not speak. Healed an invalid at the pool of Bethesda. And in verse 17, it says, My father is working until now, and I myself am working. And it was pointed out to me today that that, that verse right there shows that Jesus was imitating his father. said, His father was working now, and so am I. That's what we got to be doing. Jesus is working now, so am I. We got to imitate our God. We got to imitate what He did. He restored a withered hand. He cured a demon possessed man. There was one here where the young man was uh, paralyzed, uh, and he had a sorry. He, he was. It says he was plagued by a demon, and it says he was suffering from seizures and suffering greatly. You got to give testimony because it builds faith in others. A few weeks ago. We had people with us that prayed for a young lady who presented a demon. We know it was a demon because she was a very uh, uh, high-pitched, low-spoken uh, young lady. And when the demon presented, it was extremely gravelly, all man, and it was, it, there was no way you could mistake it, speaking in an unknown tongue. They prayed to cast that demon out. Last week we went, that young lady had been looking for, uh, for these people, for the people we brought with us, to tell them she'd been suffering from seizures two or three a day for the last five 
years. And since that night, they prayed and cast that devil out. She hasn't had one single seizure. Now, you and I might not believe that, but that young lady knows for fact what she was going through, and you'll never convince her that it wasn't the power of God. That's what testimony can do. And guess what? Because she shared, all of our faith got built because we walked away that night not really knowing if even the demon got cast out. It just didn't seem to be apparent that the demon left. But we weren't really sure that anything had happened. And yet a few weeks later, we were able to build our faith as well because we realized God did do a work that night just like he said he would do. I want to read to you specifically about a blind eye situation. It comes out of Mark, the 8th chapter, verses 22 through 25. It says, And they came to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to Jesus and implored him to touch him, taking the blind man by the hand. Here we go again, taking somebody by the hand. He brought him out of the village, and after spitting on his eyes and laying his hands on him, he asked him, Do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see men, for I see them like trees walking around. Then again, he laid his hands on his eyes, and he looked intently and was restored and began to see everything clearly. Let me point a few things out about this, and I'll, I'll kind of wrap everything up here. What I find fascinating about this is Jesus spit in the man's eyes. Now, as I was telling Tammy this, she reminded me and let me know that it probably didn't bother the guy because he didn't see it coming. I didn't think about that, and that did help a little bit because all I could envision was, whoa, what are you doing? Why are you getting ready to do so? Don't spit in my eye, right? But the guy didn't know. Spit in his eyes. But there's something else that happened here. Jesus laid his hands on the man for healing. And what happened? He wasn't fully healed. Did you catch that? He opened his eyes. He asked him what he saw. He said, I see men like they're trees. In other words, it wasn't totally clearly focused. So was Jesus a failure? No, but two things happened here. Number one, it proves that what we're talking about is that Jesus was a man, just like he said he was. He didn't have any supernatural power that we don't have access to. And there were times like here where he had to go back in and pray one more time. And that's what he did. Laid his hands on his eyes, and this time the man said he could see clearly. See, sometimes we pray once, just like this morning, and you don't get your healing, and the person praying starts to doubt. Or the person trying to receive starts to doubt. But in this case, Jesus had to go back in again. Okay? It doesn't mean he was weak. It doesn't mean anything. It just shows us that we've got to follow Jesus' example. If it don't work right away, pray again. Imitate our God. That's what we're supposed to be doing is imitating our God. I find it interesting when he raised Lazarus from the dead. It says, now Jesus loved... Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. He loved him. Not enough to come back two days early. But if you continue reading, you understand why. He did that so that the works of the Father would be glorified in the raising of Lazarus from the dead. We don't always understand how or why God works. But guess what? As children, you don't always understand how or why your parents do the things they do. But you have to just have that childlike faith and trust them. And here's what's interesting, especially as I was growing up. The more my parents did things that I got rewards from, they would, they would teach me. They would guide me. And as I 
followed their advice and did certain things, I got blessed in my life, and that just made it easier for me to go back and trust them again the next time. And I realized that as parents, we don't always get it right. And sometimes as kids, when our parents don't get it right, we get a little jaded, or we get a little cynical, or we get a little bit uh, unfaithful, or we get curious about maybe there's another way. The cool thing is, God never messes it up. The advice he gives us is always right. And if we'll follow it his way, it will continue to build that faith and trust. And it doesn't matter if you're ever able to memorize the whole Bible or explain every scripture in there or quote it back to anybody. It won't matter. If we simply imitate our God, what does it say in Ephesians 5.1? Let's bring this back around here as I close, as I get ready to close here. In Ephesians 5.1, it says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Be imitators of him. Talks about how Christ walked in love, gave himself up for us, was an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. You know, I I don't even have credit for one blind man's eyes opening or Jesus working that through me, but Jesus was able to do things like open two blind eyes at one time. And I want to tell you this story as we close for a couple of reasons. One, if you're going through something, if you're looking for God to do something in your life, listen to what happened here. In Matthew chapter 20, verses 30 through 34, Jesus healed two blind men at the same time. But if you read those scriptures, it talks about how they shouted out to Jesus for mercy. When they did that, the crowd rebuked them and told them to settle down. There are times we're crying out to Jesus and other people around us are telling us to be quiet and to settle down. Did they settle down? No, they did not. They cried out again, and the second time, Jesus stopped. Now, I don't know for sure, but I doubt Jesus just didn't hear them the first time. They cried out a second time, and then Jesus said to them, what do you want? What do you want me to do? He knew what they wanted to do, but he wanted them to ask for it again. He said, the two blind men said, have mercy on us. And then Jesus opened their eyes. But when they first called out, everybody around them tried to keep them down, tried to quiet them up try to rebuke them. The Pharisees, the Sadducees were mad at Jesus because he performed miracles on the Sabbath. There are going to be people in your life that are going to try to tell you that what you're doing is wrong and that you need to do it a different way. All you need to do is be like those two blind men who knew Jesus was the answer. And it didn't matter what anybody else told them around them, they were going to call out to their Savior because they knew who was going to heal them. It wasn't the crowd around them. It was Jesus. People need to see Jesus through us. People need to be able to come to us because they know that the God we serve will heal them, will bless them, will set them free. Today, I want you to just take some time. Think about the areas that you haven't trusted God, that you've taken back from him, that you're not being like a child. You're questioning everything he's telling you, everything he's telling you to do. And take a step of faith this week. Hear God ask you to do something and don't question it. Don't ask him why. Just do it and see what happens. And then do me a favor. Testify about that to somebody. Because it says in Revelations, they overcame the enemy by the blood of the lamb, which has already been shed. We don't have to do anything for that. But the other thing it says is the word of their testimony. Not how much scripture they knew and could quote. Not because they had the best biblical resources that could break it down for you. It was because of the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony and because they pursued Jesus with all their heart. They didn't care if they died. It says loving not their own lives 
even unto death. Is that how you're pursuing Christ? It hasn't been how I've pursued him, but it's how I'm starting to. And I got to tell you, it's been so much better. He wasn't bad before, but it's so much better. So much better. We serve an awesome, awesome God who wants to share his glory. And what I mean by that is he wants us to be a part of the healings. He wants us to step out. He wants us to be a part of the blessings. No, he doesn't need us. He is God Almighty. That's what makes it even more special is that he doesn't need us, but yet he wants us. And all he's looking for is for us to have some faith. You've been listening to Sunday Sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship Church, a place where you're loved, accepted, and received, a place of healing, a place of prayer, a place of hope. We invite you to join us this Sunday and every Sunday. For service times, location, and other information about the church, please visit our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Again, that's southsidechristianfellowship.net. As we wrap up today's message, we would like to once again thank you for listening. We would like to also have Papa Herman, an elder at Southside, to speak a Father's blessing over you. May the Lord bless and keep you, that He would cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you that the Lord will lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And remember that the Lord's favor is with you all the time. Expect it. It is with you. It's manifesting itself to you. It will overtake you no matter where you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.